we got a we got an awesome topic for you today. Um, but uh, before we get into it, uh, if you're new to the show, we want to kind of go over the framework of the show. Uh, so because the show's growing fairly well, we have a lot of new viewers every episode. Uh, so framework of the show is we have a couple of different styles of shows. Um, we have some core episodes. Those are episodes number one through number nine. Uh, so whatever platform you're listening on, you should easily be able to find them. Um, those episodes go over some basic core adversities that you're going to need to overcome in order to start your own company. So a lot of stuff that we talk about throughout the whole rest of the duration of this show can tie back to those core adversities. Um, it is, it is basically six steps to start your own company. Uh, we, we talk about uh, episodes one through nine are like nine hours of content. Uh, if it takes us nine hours to talk about it, it's definitely going to take you a fair amount of time to do it. Um, but that is basically everything you need to start your own company. Um, outside of that, we have some Q&A shows where you can email in questions to us. Uh, that email address is askmitch at mitchsmedley.com. And you can uh, shoot us emails if you have any questions uh, about uh, certain you know issues that are unique to you, uh, rental things. Um, relationship things like with vendors or or with potential customers um, or, or anything like that, um, or just you know general business questions or, or how you're starting your business. Shoot them into us. We'll answer them. Uh, if they're pretty good questions, we'll even make a show about them. Um, we have some guest episodes where we bring on guests who have uh, either started their own company or that they they can benefit you in some way, shape, or form with the, the creation of your company. Um, and we'll talk to them about some of the adversities that they've overcome. Um, we have just some general business shows, which that's what today's show is, is just a general business show where we go on and we discuss good business topics that uh, it's kind of like a continuation of the core adversity shows. Um, but um, the, it's just good business stuff to, to keep your mind in the right direction. And then finally, we have the Beyond the Void shows, and that's where we let loose a little bit and we talk a, more uh, about the more current social topics that are going on and stuff like that. So um, that is the framework of the show. Today's show is going to be over how to have tough conversations. Difficult decisions and tough conversations. Difficult decisions, <clears throat> tough conversations. So, and, not just, and not just like business related but with everything with with your kids with your wife yeah with, you know or husband you know whatever employees customers um the bank right you know dealerships when they're trying to you're trying to buy a car and the idiot salesman's trying to haggle with you you know now it's not as bad they won't haggle at all they just tell you hey nope this is what it is yeah but covid's i mean we're on the tail end those uh, debating skills are going to come right back to play. Yeah. Hopefully, because I love it. Yeah. I know that the guy wants to sell me the car. Right. You know? I'm like, eh. Yeah. Let's, see, let's see what it's we can get. It's kind of fun going there with like a bunch of holes in your pants and a shirt that does, it's does. got holes in it and then tell him you're paying cash. It just screams 590 <laughs> credit score. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, eh, this guy. And so you give him a number and he's like, yeah, okay. And then you're like, oh, no. No, I'm writing a check for this. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, like, well, nowadays oh, eyes are wide open. Nowadays they want to finance you because they make more on the financing. Yeah. So yeah, they, they'll actually give you a better deal if you finance yeah, it. It's than not if like you back in the day when the financing went through another company. No matter what, they finally wised up and they were like, "Oh, 
you know, yeah. we can finance these cars and make some extra money. Yeah. Hell, cars nowadays are almost just an avenue to get to the financing contract. Of course it is. So. Or sell you an extended warranty. Yeah. Or 85 oil changes for 19.99. And I don't know why they try so hard to sell you one. I get phone calls every day about my extended warranty. Oh, do you? <laughs> <laughs> we've been trying to reach you. You know, I dug open a sewer the other day, and there was a note in the bottom of the sewer that says, we've been trying to reach you about your cars. <laughs> They stop at nothing, right? That is the second worst dad joke I've heard in a while, but it's uh, okay. Yeah. I like it. All right, so tough conversations. Um, If you are trying to do anything in life worth doing, you will have to have tough conversations. Um, People that are pushing themselves to the limits will have tough conversations. People that are trying to push those around them to improve will have tough conversations. Um, people that have very exacting, uh, goals or, or ideas for how they want something to happen. They have to have tough conversations, right? Tough conversations are a very, very real part of business, but they're also a very real part of life. And so, uh, today's entire show is dedicated to helping you through the gauntlet of tough conversations. Um, um, you can't avoid them. They have to happen simply because you're human. I'm human. We operate on two different levels, right? Like, uh, your brain thinks of one path. My brain thinks of another path. Both paths might work. However, we might only be able to do one path. And so we're going to have to choose, right? Or you may view things one way. I may view things another. And it's an important enough thing that we have to dis like, that we disagree about it, and then we have to talk about it. Um, this happened to us like yeah. three weeks ago. Yeah, three or four Mitch weeks and I, ago. Before one of the episodes, we're talking about how to. What you remember? What episode that was? Um, it's not important. No, it's not. It might be for somebody, but that's not the point. Is um, so he was talking about how he likes to save money for taxes. Yeah, he had a specific way he does it. I had a specific way I do it. We literally argued for an hour about freaking nothing. And we both knew. Like, I knew. I was like, Mitch isn't going to change his mind. No. And then eventually, Mitch finally realized, I'm not going to get Dave to say this is the better way to do it on the show. Right. So we're just going to move on. We're just going to agree to disagree. And we're going to tell. So it was episode 25 when we were talking about, like, how to run your business checking account. Oh, that's what it was. And how to prepare for taxes. And so... Yeah. yeah, it was like, all right, we'll just tell them two different ways to do it and yeah. then let them pick whatever way works best for them. Yeah, and so. it, and it's fine because, you know, that's one of those situations where you just can't turn someone's mind. Yeah. You just can't do it. There's yeah. just, it's physically impossible. And that is, Mitch and I have been friends so long, you know, it's not, it's not an issue for us to argue like that. No. You know, and at the end of it, literally, I told him, I was like, do you know how arrogant you are sometimes? <laughs> and, I mean... I'm the same way. Like, yeah. That's why we work and why we've been friends is because, and it doesn't bother me when no. people are like that. Some people, they would have lost their mind. Yeah. And been like, do you, you know, uh, you well, son and, of a, and get, they get all worked up and mad about it. You know, yep. it's, it's easy if you know someone and this kind of delves into what we've started talking about. Um, it's easy if you've known someone for a long time to tell them the truth mm-hmm. and if someone is a close friend of you and you tell them the truth and they can't handle it, I mean, you either didn't know them as well as you thought they that you did right. because you thought, oh, they'll be fine with this, 
you know, but that's a tough conversation sometimes you have to have. Yeah. Oh, I they'll be fine with this. And then you say it, and now all of a sudden you're in a tough conversation. Right. Well, and a lot of people argue for the wrong reasons, too. They argue to win an argument. They and argue st- to be right. Yeah, they argue to be right, or, or they argue to prove somebody else wrong, you know. That maybe not. Maybe they're not going to be right. They just want to prove somebody else wrong. Yeah, um, that's kind of an American culture thing too. I think. Yeah, and it's not good. Yeah, um, we call that dick measuring. Yeah, you know exactly. Exactly. I'm smarter than you. Yeah, I know what to do. Yeah. Well, you know, I could put this puzzle together 15 times, and each time's different, but I it, still have the same result at the end of it. Well, and and it's like, come on, that kind of goes into the whole theory too of like. the dick measuring thing you're gonna see like you see this all the time there's a one-upper philosophy on literally everything like you could be talking about something that is not even worth dick measuring over and somebody will talk about how they can they can one-up it they can they've done it worse right like you talk about man it was cold yesterday Oh, that that ain't nothing, man. You remember yeah. last year? Remember, you know? <laughs> yeah. And and they always got to go to some scenario where they've had it worse, right? Yeah. Um, you it, you could talk about how hot it is, man. It's hot here. Oh, phew, it's only ninety three here. It was ninety seven, you know, where I grew up. Yeah. Or whatever. Like, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Ninety three and ninety seven feel the same. It's fucking hot. You know, and right? I don't know if it's like a. I don't know what drives people to do that, but everyone does it. Everyone does everyone it. Everyone does it. Like, yeah. I try to consciously decide I'm not going to do that, and I still do it. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, you know, a guy will bring up a job. I mean, I had this job and this customer and blah, blah. And then you don't even realize you're doing it, and you're like, yeah, I, oh, man, yeah, I had the same. Yeah. It's, it's not always that you're trying to one-up somebody, but sometimes when you start down that road, that's what you're doing. Yeah. Even if you're not doing it intentionally. Yeah. And it's hard to break yourself of that habit. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's weird. Yeah. We should have a, uh, a psychologist or a psychiatrist as a guest one day and just delve into so much. I'm crazy afraid they crap. tell me I'm crazy. You are crazy. <laughs> I tell you every day, you don't need a psychiatrist to tell you you're crazy. I know that. Um, I, I think one of the biggest reasons people argue and people have to have to like put themselves in scenarios where they have these tough conversations is because they're leading with their emotions on things that they should not be leading with their emotions on. And and that can be very, very difficult to pull your emotions out of something. Especially business. Yeah, especially business. And business should never be emotional. Like, yeah. like it's okay for me in private to get emotional about my business because I can sit back and look at the thing I created and the thing, like, I, I'm not taking I'm not taking ownership of, like, where our business is. I'm just saying, like, when I say I created it, I'm saying like a couple of years ago, I had this vision and then I put plans in place and I put people in place. And now all of these people are working together and they're living up to this vision that started as just one person's idea a long time ago. Right. Like that can make me emotional. However, and and so, so emotions in business, totally cool in that area, not cool when you're talking with your employees when you're talking with your um, your vendors, when you're talking with your customers, right? I've, I've watched people, you know, if you're going to be in business long enough, you're going to have a customer try to fuck you over. You're going to have a customer try to take advantage of you. you yeah, or, th- or they think you're trying to take advantage of them, and you're not. Right, right. Because and, their emotions have been set off by a certain situation. You know what, uh, in um, the service industry... Um, like when someone sells their home 
or is buying a home and they have to have someone come in and you come in and tell them, oh, hey, the sewer needs to be replaced. It's 15 grand. And they've mm-hmm. had their heart on buying that house at X price. Right. Their emotions are already involved. Yep. And now those emotions have been placed onto you unwillingly or unknowingly because that's just that's what has happened because you've told come in there and told them basically that you're not getting the house for that price or if you are you've got to spend this money or you need to walk away and you're not telling them those things but you're subconsciously telling them those things right because that's what's going to happen yeah you know in real estate it's really bad yeah yeah and and there's a whole bunch of different facets to real estate too um you've got um, you've got realtors, you've got buyers, you've got sellers, you've got house flippers. Yeah. And you've got the bank. You've got, yeah, you've got banks. If you have a personal relationship with your bank, that's loaning you the money Yeah, that, you know, and they're on your side and they're in your corner. Yep. They're going to be, they could be emotional about it. Right. So, you know, in business, let's say customers, for example, you have a customer that's trying to take advantage of you or screw you over it can be very easy to leave your emotions in with that. And next thing you know, now you're talking to your customer and, and you're, you're, you're screaming at your customer. Right. And, and you're, you've left your, your passion in with that. Um, it was one of the hardest things I had to learn how to do in all of my management background and everything else. When I'm talking with upset customers, is to remove the amount of time I have invested with the situation up to that point, right? So let's say I've got a guy that I've trained really well, but he makes a boneheaded mistake and a customer's upset. Well, I used to be going to that customer on the offensive or, or being ready to be on very defensive of my guy because I have a lot of emotional connection to my guy. I have a lot of, of commitment to my guy. Um, a lot you of have in, his back. Right, right. Yeah. And so I used to think I was doing the right thing by being very defensive with the customer and, and everything else. Well, and you, So as far as your relationship with that guy in the company, you were doing the right thing. You were doing the right thing, right. But for the business and your job title, right. you were not doing the right thing. Right. And you have to be able to, I think that's where you're going with this, you yep. have to be able to separate that. Yeah. And so you've got to be able to remove all of your emotional connection to your job, to your business, to your employee, to everything, and just wipe all that out and listen to the customer's concerns, identify what they are, and then come to an agreement. Yeah. And it's weird because once you're able to separate all of that, you can actually turn an upset customer into one of your biggest advocates. Um, we have, we have <clears throat> many five-star reviews on our company that were people that were less than thrilled with our service, but they went it, they thought if, if a customer goes to the lengths of bringing an issue up to management or to ownership, they're already fired up too. Well, they're fired up, but also that's not a lazy customer, right? That's a customer who is, is, is very, uh, they're an advocate. And, and so if you, when I see somebody email in with, with concerns or questions, I, I immediately look at it like this is going to be a five-star review. Watch this. And, and I'll answer all of their questions. I'll address all of their concerns. I'll put a plan in place or whatever. And, and I, I don't throw my guys under the bus when I'm doing it. 
It's it's literally just me and the customer. That's it. Yeah. You try to and, you try to just keep that part out of the conversation right. altogether. And you literally try to just focus on them and get them to focus just on you, not yep. the situation, just on you. That's a really good salesman technique too. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's very important and it's hard to do. You have to train yourself to do it. It's pra- It takes practice. Yeah. And, and like you have to write some stuff down and while you're on the phone with the customer, like you're looking at your notes and trying to make sure you're doing the things that yeah, you wanted to do. You're trying to bullet point it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and by the end of it, because the customer is not upset at a guy, they're upset at a company right? You, you think the customer's upset at a guy because you had a guy out of the customer's yeah, house. But that's not true. You're right. You're hundred percent right. Yeah. If, if the customer is, <clears throat> is upset, they're upset at a company. They're mad. They called. Yeah. Smedley plumbing or whoever. Right. right. And, and so once you identify that, that helps you pull the emotional attachment of your guy out of the situation. Um, but as long as your guys are doing everything that they're supposed to do and they're trained really well and everything else, then it's just you dealing with a customer that's upset with a company and you, you handle it on a one-on-one direct basis. Sometimes it's apologies. Sometimes it's acknowledging that we have room to improve. Sometimes it's a slight refund. Sometimes it's a, a visit from additional me. Additional repair to, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. To, to make some additional repairs or to get some tweaks done. Um, let's face mm-hmm. it. Plumbers, you know, if a heating and cooling guy makes a mistake, somebody's house is hot when it should be cold or it's cold when it should be hot. Right. Yeah. If a plumber makes a mistake, half the time it's a wet, nasty yeah. mess, right? And it can be a real problem. Right. And so, you know, sometimes it's paying for some damages that we caused. And um, what's funny is when they see us go to great lengths to make sure that we addressed every concern they had as an upset customer, they love us after that. Yeah. They'll, like when they see that we spent more time handling them being an upset customer than they ever would have anticipated they just being they humble just love us being humble and taking care of a situation is harder to do than to just go in there and be defensive like yeah. you're saying nope up uh, nope didn't do that it's hard to say up uh, we fucked up yeah this is what we're going to do we are going to do x y and z we are going to take care of this yeah this is how it's going to happen and if you're not happy after that we're going to keep on trying yep you know, and when people see that kind of dedication, and that doesn't matter what kind of industry you're in, right. when people see that dedication, they're usually on board. Not yeah. all the time, yeah. you know, because sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes, even if you do the right thing and take care of everything above and beyond what they thought, they are, were so mad at the time that they just won't call you back because it just, this is going to sound stupid, it brings up feelings of. Mm-hmm whatever they were feeling at the time and they won't they're ashamed but of the how they were feeling sometimes yeah sometimes or they're just you know what i'm just gonna i'm just gonna move on from right. this situation even though they did and they they won't bad mouth you necessarily yeah. they just won't call you back and if anyone asks they'll say yeah they took care of everything you know but i just use this guy now yeah or gal or you know whatever well and i think one of the problems that we find is most if you if you think back at a time where you were upset enough to have to ask for a manager or have to try to get to the owner or bring an issue up to a company, you were probably really fired up, right? And so you're putting your emotional connection to a scenario like that, you're putting that into your customer's mind for them automatically. So when a customer emails in or calls in and they're upset, 
you're immediately attaching how upset you've been in the past to that customer. Well, what I find is most of the time, customers are kind of like a peacock whenever they're trying to get attention from management. They put on this amazing show up front, and then all of a sudden, the moment management comes at them with the total care and compassion, and we're going to do whatever it takes to take care of you, all of a sudden, those feathers start going down. They're like, okay. Right. Okay, I so, did what I had to do to get my the attention I needed. Right. And, you know, right. that's, a, that's a, a problem with a lot of businesses. Customers do that because they feel they have to because of other companies. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I may have said that wrong at the beginning. But, you know, they've had to throw those fits to get someone to even return a phone call. Right. To get somebody to give them any type of answers, especially in the online age now. Yeah. You know, you, you buy something online and get it and it's broke. Well, you, customer service online is either stellar or non-existent. Right. And then they kind of translate that to the same, uh, to the service industry, which hopefully is better than that. But, right. You know. Well, in, in like the home services industry, there are so many con artists and just absolute shitty contractors out there. Oh, man, there's a lot. That customers have a lot of of those uh, apprehensions going in, right? Yeah. And the moment they've had a bad experience, well, now they're they're kind of teetering on the, am I dealing with a shitty contractor or a they're con artist? They're everyone right? they call. Right. Automatically just scared to death. Right. And so, you know, we, we head that off pretty fast, and it's different, like— like I don't really have like a formula necessary necessarily for it. Most of the time, um, if a customer brings up a concern, I will try to communicate back with them on the me- on the means that they came in on. So like if they emailed us, I would try to email them back initially. I always want it to end at least with a phone call, if not an on-site visit. But um, if they emailed a concern in, I will usually email them back and say, "I'd love to talk about this with you. Are you available for a phone call? You know, here's my cell phone number. Like yeah. I give them my cell." Yeah. Um, um, sometimes I won't even bother with that. I'll just literally pick up the phone and call them. It just kind of depends on maybe the severity of the upsetness uh, that they have, or the or upsetness. the upsetness, uh, <laughs> or or of the issue, right? Like, so if they're if yeah. they're mildly upset about a price thing or something that time is not of the essence, well, then we can go back on email. If they if they're saying that they've received damage to their home, I'm not wasting time on an email. I'm calling them immediately. If and, it's close, you're probably driving over. There. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like if one of your guys floods someone's kitchen and it ruins their basement, you're yeah. probably like, I'm on my way. Yeah. And then another thing that I actively do do is um, if the customer is emailing in and they are taking an incredibly legal stance on their email, um, I just experienced this yesterday or the day before, um, where where they're taking a very 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 legal stance on their email. I will never reply to their email ever, um, because they're putting they, they think that they're building a case by putting it all in writing. Well, you could email a company anything you want and claim anything you want. Yeah, but and it you're doesn't not verified until they respond. If, if you reply. The only thing you can do is partially acknowledge some of their stuff. Even if it's wrong, right, you might say something wrong. And so I would just simply call them back. And, and ultimately, um, through, through 20 years of managing companies, I've only ever gone to court one time over a plumbing issue. And this was about seven years ago. Um, we this were, is interesting. I don't know where this is going. Yeah, we, we actually went to high school with this girl. 
and and she knew where this I worked. This wasn't for Smedley, though, right? No, no, okay. no, no. This was seven years ago. This was before I started my company. Um, we um, we went to high school with this girl, and uh, she called us up to come out and work on her house, and she needed a supply valve, uh, or no, no, she needed a toilet rebuilt. Um, and so we always give options, right? We can just rebuild the toilet, or we can rebuild the toilet and replace the supply valve, or we can do like a complete rebuild where everything is brand new. Brand new. The only thing left is China. Right? Yeah. The, the porcelain. Yeah. Um, or we can like replace the toilet, right? And and so we give them all the options so they can literally choose their investment yeah. as much as they all want. All carte. Yeah. And and so she picked the option that was just rebuilding the toilet, not replacing the supply valve. And and so we turned off the supply valve, and we went to start taking the supply line off of the valve to the toilet. Well, the supply valve broke in the process of that, like literally came undone and flooded their house. And it was not of an action that like we did. Like we were operating the supply valve the way you're supposed to. You put a wrench on the three eighths supply side and you start loosening it. Yeah. Right. Well, as you're loosening it, it cracked that top. The top completely came out of the valve. And uh, so there, there was no way to know that that would happen for one. And for two, there was no way that anybody else would have done anything different. Like if the homeowner tried to take apart that valve, it'd have flooded, it'd have flooded it again, right? Yeah. If any other plumbing company in town would have tried to do that, it would have. I mean, yeah. So it was, it was a problem with the valve, right? And this guy probably doesn't know where the shutoff is. And he's running around like a maniac. No, we, I mean, we ran downstairs and shut off the water, but I mean, it was, it still comes, it was second floor toilet. So it was coming through lights and the ceilings and everything else. Um, They already had some other water stains on the ceilings from other like roof leak issues and stuff. But, um, um, you know, they said, you got to pay for this. And I'm like, we gave you an option to replace the valve. And you chose not to. If she had, you'd have had to shut the water off to do that. Right. And and we said I'm not happy about this either. However, the we were operating on your valve, like we were we were working on your valve. The the issue that happened wasn't because we weren't working on it correctly. I would tell you if it was, you know, if we didn't turn the valve off before we started taking yeah. the supply line off, that's on us, right? But if we turn the valve off and then the valve breaks, that's not on us. And so, um. I said, really, you just need to contact your homeowner's insurance. And so she calls her homeowner's insurance, and in her homeowner's insurance, um, she has like a $3,000 deductible, like some really high deductible, and, and the damage was only like 4000 bucks in water damage or something. And so it wasn't worth turning in a claim for yeah. them to only pay a couple, you know, a little bit. And so then her insurance company calls me and, and says, look, you guys are a big company. This is, again, I worked for a big company in town. They said, look, you guys are a really big company in town, and you guys just need to eat this, and this is just part of it and everything else. And I said, look, we didn't do anything wrong. The valve failed. And she goes, I know, but it's just good business, and you just need to do this. And I said, okay, let's turn this on you. You're State Farm Insurance. You're way bigger you're, than You're a are. big company in the nation. How about you just eat this? And and she didn't yeah. she didn't like that right and I'm, I'm like of I'm just not I'm just being like I'm not being mean I'm just being honest yeah and and uh, uh, she says well I mean the reason they they need you to do this is because they have a really high deductible and I'm like look my liability you doesn't sold them yeah a real high deductible let's yeah. start with that yeah I said look my liability in the situation doesn't change because they chose lower premiums with a higher deductible. Yeah. Like that doesn't change that doesn't make it more or less my fault, right? The valve broke. 
the house owns the valve, you insure the house, you fix it. And, and so they ended up taking us to court. And Did State Farm take, or not State Farm? No, the the customer. The customers. And so we go to court, and and um, I, uh, it was a matter of principle at that point. Oh yeah, because the attorney fees is, is are going to be higher than that. Well, and this was small claims court, like no attorneys, you just go represent yourself. And so we go up there, and the the customer because the valve failed, I, we left the valve with the customer. Yeah. The customer brought the valve to court. Oh. And I'm and now I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. And so it's they over. go they go through and do their whole thing and everything else and I just sit there quiet which which if you're ever in court don't say anything do not ever throat. interrupt the other person no, ever no that you will lose respect with the judge incredibly fast yeah um, so I sit there quiet and just wait and that's wait a free and, tip everyone. and and don't <laughs> don't shake your head when they're talking like literally stone cold wait your turn because you will piss the judge off really fast. Said the guy who's been to court a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. Uh huh. I haven't. Uh huh. Sound like a pro here. But uh, so I wait my turn, and and he he says, "Would you like to speak?" And I said, "Yeah, I would." And I you know, I told him everything, and and I said, "Now I see that he's brought the actual valve here." I said, "Would you mind if I grab it and bring it up to the bench and show you?" I'm talking to the judge and show yeah. you exactly how it failed. And he said, "Sure." And so I go grab it off the guy's desk and and I bring it up to the bench and I'm showing him how we were, you know, we're unscrewing here where you're supposed to. And then here's where the valve split apart. And that's not supposed to happen. Like it's a factory connection. It's not supposed to happen. And he says, you know, I was just replacing these in my house the other day. And you're right. You did exactly what you're supposed to. And this valve failed. And if you gave him an option to replace it and he chose not to, then the house owns the valve. And I'm sorry, sir. It's not what you want to hear, but case dismissed. It is what it is. And (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, it's never, uh, it's not fun. It's a tough conversation to have. Well, first but off, it's it not wasn't fun. a tough conversation. There were 10. There were a lot of tough conversations. conversations in right. There, there right. was the tough conversation of, you know, the homeowner's mad at the tech that's there. Mm-hmm. There's the tough conversation of the tech's got to call his boss and say, hey, dude, we right. got a serious situation over here. Then the homeowner has to talk to you. Yep. And now you've probably got to call your boss and say, dude, this is what's going on. I mean, there's a lot of there's stuff there. There's a lot of there. stuff there. And when you think about it, normally what happens in those situations for one person is every time they talk to the f- one person, it, it goes up a notch in escalation yep. and anger right, or sadness or whatever it is. So every time they go through it, and the longer that goes out, the more animosity builds, the more anger builds, the more everything builds until eventually it comes to a head. And if you can... If you can somehow be able to detach your emotions from everyone that you talk to, the more clear mind you will have when you get to the end or the conclusion of whatever situation it is that you're in. Right. And it sounds really easy to do, and it's not. No. Like, I am a super emotional person. Right. We saw this. On Tuesday, when I cried on this show, um, because I, to be honest, had had a lot of stuff going on and, you know, just kind of caught me. Right. Um, but people that are emotional, and there's a lot of us out there, it's not just sadness or it's not this. It's when you start getting mad, dude, you're on fire. Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of people are like that. And you've got to be able to um, check yourself. Like Mitch knows me, has known me a long time. My temper when I was in my 20s, like 18 to 22, 
I could be at the bar and one dude say, could say one thing, and I mean, it was a shitstorm. All of a sudden, we're diving into the car and leaving. Now <laughs> I'm 40, and that part, I mean, that's not even who I am anymore. Right. You know, but when you have tough conversations, you need to realize that in yourself and who you're talking to. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to be able to, and it's it's almost impossible, you need to be able to read that person as the conversation's going on yeah, and try to not only calm them, but keep yourself calm and try to get the facts as clear as possible, you know, when you're dealing with those tough situations. Yeah. And it's really hard as a business owner, you know, as a business owner, what's the number one thing uh, you're emotional about or care about? It's your business. Right. You know, it is, especially a small business owner like Mitch or myself, it's your life. Right. Everything about that company is you. You have poured your soul and your pain and your money and everything into this. So when something goes wrong, you're 100% invested, boom, right off the bat. Right. And it's hard to separate those things. Yeah. Yeah, it, it can be really tough. Now, one of the things I've found is any in any conversation, not just customers, but any conversation, for the most part, the more you remove your emotion all of a sudden the person you're talking to's emotion starts to come down too, right? Like emotions feed off of each other. Yeah. And so if you start charging up, well, now they have to react and, and they go all Newton's law, right? Like equal opposite yeah. reaction yeah. type of thing. And yeah. so, you know, if, if you raise your voice, well, now they have to match that or, or exceed it and, if, and so on. So that can get that can get really volatile really quick. And oh, so the yeah. easy way to keep that from exploding. Seconds, yeah. It can go crazy. So the easy way to keep that from exploding is just get your emotions out of it. And and most of the time when you have to have tough conversations, you have prep time. So you have time to get your emotion. It's not like something happens right now and, and we have to business. talk about it right now. It, really at any time. <clears throat> I mean, even in your marriage or anything else, right? Yeah. Um, it, it, You're probably right. Most of the time. Now, Children can be a little bit different because children can misbehave in an instant, and you need to handle that in an instant. Or not just misbehave, but come up with something completely random that you didn't even know they were capable of thinking about. Yeah. Like, just like, whoa. Like you have this look on your face like, oh, shit, what? Right. And and so <laughs> that's a good, that's even, a, even that's there, a though, like, my wife and I have a rule that we'll never punish our kids under anger. Like... We'll, we'll yeah, think about it. Sleep yeah. on it one night. They'll, or something. Yeah, they'll, you know, they know it's coming. Maybe they're yeah. hanging out in the room for a while while we calm down and think about it rationally. Yeah. Or, Make or it whatever. Make a rope ladder to get out the window after <laughs> you punish them, right? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I'm going to get my sheets together here, yeah. Dad. But, uh, um, you know, and, and there's been times, I mean, I can remember vivid conversations where I've told my wife, like, I'm too pissed. You're going to have to handle that. I'm not going to handle like, that I'm, wrong. You're so on fire. Yeah. You know, I, so when Janine first told me she was pregnant, we, you know, you go to the doctor and they do the sonogram. Like, I'm wanting a boy, right? Right. We only have one kid, little girl. I mean, I am like, oh, boy. After all these years, I'm like, man, thank God we had a girl. Because, I mean, if I had a boy, I don't know. I mean, just the amount of anger you, I know that they spur. If you had like a boy, dudes, it would be I like just, Homer and Bart Simpson, your hands around his yeah, neck and I'd just wringing his neck the death. whole time. Yeah. It, it, it's easy to punch a boy. A small child that's your own son, <laughs> it's hard to look at a girl and be like, oh, maybe I love you. you know, you're, not, you're like instantly not as mad, you know? I don't think I've ever punched my kids. No, I, I'm, it's, it's satire. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you know, I haven't ever punched my kids. <laughs> <Are> you, <laughs> pretty sure. Pretty sure. <laughs> quote, unquote, for those on Spotify. 
pretty sure he doesn't remember. <laughs> he was too little, or I hit him too hard. Or he doesn't. He just doesn't remember what he woke up from, right? Oh no, Mitch is just kidding. Yeah, um, he's good with those shitheads. So, so we have some framework for what it would take to have a tough conversation. And this is that, like when I was telling you, you have a tough conversation with a customer and you're kind of like checking your notes. Yeah. Like Write this down because these are really good things. I'm going to blow through them real quick and then we can kind of dive into them. Mitch hasn't read these, so I don't know what he's going with. Right. Let's see what you got. So step one is remove your emotion from the whole decision process, the whole tough conversation process, right? Um, And you'll kind of have to check back into that one a lot. Step two, identify the true issue. Step three, state your intention when you're having that conversation. Step four, be open to learning a new perspective. You may have an intention based off of your view. And then as you're having that conversation, you're going to learn about somebody else's view. And you need to be prepared to change your view slightly based off of learning their perspective. Yeah, you want you might need to change your mind and realize, you know what? Right. We were wrong here. Right. And we're going to try to make it right. Right. Um, uh, next step, never sacrifice your values. Okay. So uh, be open to learning new perspective. That's not an excuse to back down on your values. If your values are good, you, they, they should actually guide you through this. Right. Um, and then you're going to wrap that conversation up with discussing a plan to go from there. How do we go from here? How do we move on from this? What do we do? To, what do we put in place so this doesn't happen again? And, and move on, right? And then follow up. Check back in week, two weeks, three weeks later. Hey. And, and we're, you're talking mostly business with this stuff. Mostly it, business. It, it this works be used in other things. But this works. That's really. I mean, this general framework can work in anything, right? Is you're raising your kids. Remove your emotion. Identify the issue. State your intention. Be open about learning a new perspective, right? Maybe your kid's going through something you didn't know he's going through. Or, or whatever. Yeah. So never sacrifice your values. Your values should hand through, hand, you know, hold through all of that. Especially Dis- with your kids because you're trying to pass those values on to them. Right. Discuss a plan for how do you go from here so you don't end up in this position again. And then check back up with them. Literally, I just did this two days ago with my son. Um, Which one? Old one or young Grant, one? Grant. Young one. Grant, young one. Um, you know, he's, he's going through some stuff and he was having some emotional things go on. And so we kind of changed up his routine a little bit and we we pulled some things out of routine and we we let him put some things other you know other parts in his routine um he gets a little too absorbed into video games and like he can't handle the fact that video games aren't real so he gets like, like really his, anger he gets angry. emotionally tied to him yeah yeah and Throws so the controller at the wall and smashes it in a thousand pieces yep i know 30 year old people that have done that right you know and so we and pulled just a kid thing we pulled him away from video games and it's not a grounding like we were able to get him to understand like, dude, just take a break bro yeah we're like you don't you're not happy on this right so let's yeah. let's find something else and so he started doing a whole lot more basketball going over to friends houses kind of playing outside yeah and we didn't make him do this this is just if you can't play video games, what else are you going to do? Yeah. And and so, you know, he and I were playing basketball in the driveway the other day, and I stopped and I said, "Hey, I'm just checking in with you. You know, it's been a couple of weeks. I I've recognized a massive difference in you. I hope you recognize that too. Like you look much happier." And he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm good. So much more, you know. So he's a good kid. Same same press, you know, same process. I smoked for that. his ass in basketball the other day. Well, he's also ten. So well. all of you. <laughs> so. 
Just, I mean, that kid's got some moves. He's, you know he's what? good. If he doesn't get on a team, if you don't get him on a team, he, we've yeah, talked about this before. I know. We're not going to get into he it. He doesn't like team sports. It sucks because if he could if he could figure out the team thing, he would just be amazing. But he doesn't like being coached very well, and he doesn't like team sports. Maybe I should talk to him. So we tried getting him on like one – like I'm going to get him into like BMX racing yeah. where there's no team. Yeah. It's just him. Yeah. You know what? Um, so, Layla, so I have a uh, – it's a little Suzuki LT90. Right. And it's fast as shit. Like when I ride it, it scares me a little bit. Mm-hmm. And she loves riding it. I got her a little helmet. I cut, we've got like four acres. And then there's a farm next to us that we're allowed to ride on. Right. So I'll mow her a path and she'll ride on that thing. I mean, like full throttle. Oh, yeah. Riding it. And I tried to get her into something. I wish there was more of that around here. Yeah. Um, a kid we used to know, Adam Beshin, mm-hmm. you know, he, mm-hmm. he gave me some info because uh, his kids used to do it. Yep. But like these little rodeo rides, maybe he should do that. Yeah, I don't know. Bring him over. I'll, dude, I'll put him on that thing, see if he can't, you know, break his arm or something. We'll figure something out. I mean, that kid hadn't broken anything yet. The other one has. But. You know, I never broke any bones. And I mean, we used to jump off the roof of my mom's garage. Right. Like just, it's like eight feet. I don't know how we aren't dead. Right. Do you remember the spillway we used to climb? Hell yes, I do. I tell my kids those stories all the time. First off, it was completely stupid. Yeah. It was like 25, 30 feet, and yep. it was wet. Yeah. And we would somehow make it up there. And we didn't die. I have no idea how we someone didn't ever fall off of that and we, we, seriously like, get hurt. You take the Goonies and Stand By Me and everything else. <laughs> that was literally us growing up. <laughs> Hey, Dad, do you we used to go, to go play in a cave. Yeah. 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 Get the cave? yeah. All right. Let's go. What are we yeah. going to do? Shoot bottle rockets in the dark. Okay. Let's go. I can remember. Start a fire. We're okay, walking. Sweet. It was like a mile. The cave was a mile. A mile. The cave was about a mile into the woods and we had to walk on a path to get to it. Yeah. I can remember we're halfway through that path and you and your brother start <laughs> fist fighting <laughs> and you put each other in headlocks and you're choking each other out. Snot's yeah. coming out of both your noses. <laughs> like one of you is going to pass out in a minute. Stubborn sons of bitches, and here I'm just wanting to go play in a cave, and I got to manage you two rolling off in the poison yeah. ivy. You know, a lot of emotional, a lot yeah. of emotional stuff going on back then. You know. All right, so with those steps, getting hair in weird places. You know, oh yeah, different. You yeah. don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get you get mad for no reason. All yeah. of a sudden, you can't stand up because everyone knows you're pitching a tent. <laughs> oh, oh, to be in middle school again. <laughs> That's good stuff. Why are you walking around with your hand in your pocket? No reason. Why you got your math book? Shut up. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't your backpack supposed to be on your back? Stop it. Shut up. (laughs) Don't talk to me. Right. Um, Okay, so step one, obviously, remove the emotion. It's the hardest one to do. It is step one because it has to happen before you can do anything else. And you need to keep that through the whole thing. So chill out. Move around. Leave the situation for a while. Calm down. And then get your get your mind out of the place that makes you angry about the thing and talk about the simple facts that led up to it and the simple facts that are going to take you away from it, right? Calling so many names doesn't help. Makes you feel good. It can make you feel good, but it, but does it doesn't help, help. But it does not help. Right. So just stick to the facts and you're going to be a lot better. Um, identify the issue. Most of the time, what caused the blow up is not what caused the issue. Right. So like with your spouse, she didn't get mad at you for not vacuuming correctly. She's mad at you for something completely different than vacuuming. She just chose you the fact be, that you were vacuuming the room in the wrong direction. You might be going to blow down, up on you. You might be going down a sketchy path. Here. <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. You might be. I mean, um, you're married to a redhead. 
She might come in here and shoot us all. Loose cannon. <laughs> but I like them crazy. Yeah. So well, she's crazy. Um, identify the true issue. Okay. This is easier in business than it is in your marriage, for sure. Or family or anything. Right. Something, you know what's crazy about this? <clears throat> if it's family, kids, friends, whatever, you can make someone mad, not know it. And they can take it home, and it can fester for two weeks. Yeah. Three weeks, six months, a year. Yeah. Before you hear about it. Yep. You know? I mean, it it can be bad. Yeah. And it could be something It could be something so small and stupid that if they would have said something at the time, they could have literally been like, you know what? Now that I think about it, no big deal. You say you're sorry. But six months has gone by, and now it's grown into something that it wasn't. And it can be a huge blow up, drag out, you know, and create serious problems. Right. I say that to say if someone makes you mad or there is a situation, don't let it fester in yourself. Right. You know, bring it up. Yeah. Say, hey. Talk about it. Yeah. This is bothering me. Right. Like, you know, if Mitch made me mad and I came in here one day and it, I'd tell him, I'd be like, dude, last week, what the fuck were you talking about? Right. You know? Right. No, we don't edit. I just edited myself. For some I don't know why I did that. I have no idea. We can cuss on this show, Dave. I know. I forget. I just, you know, I, I try to be PC. I'm really bad at it. Yeah. Like, you know, I just, I'm bad. We'll, I just, we'll do a whole Beyond the Void show on how PC is ruining the world, but. Yeah. Um, a whole nother deal. So, yeah, identifying the issue. So, like, let's say business. Most of the time, the issue is going to be either a performance-related issue with an employee or it's going to be a price issue with a customer, or it's going to be a quality of work issue with a customer, right? Um, and, and when I say customer, that might mean customers of your business. That also might mean you as a customer with somebody else's business, right? So like I had to have a tough conversation with our parts supplier, where we get our parts from. They were not they were allowing their inventories in their, in their store to get incredibly low, and so we would go in there to resupply our parts, and they wouldn't have what we needed. Yeah, they weren't, they're trying to keep that overhead down. Yeah. This and, whole COVID excuse lately. Well, and I challenged them on it, right? Because COVID had gone on for a long time, and there was no problems. And then all of a sudden, there were problems. Yeah. And, and the and, excuse tra- train had run through that joint. Right. Well, and you could tell, like, they used to have quantities, like, a minimum quantity of 12. And now they're, like, they're out of something, and they're saying, well, I got two more coming in. Well, how many are you supposed to have? Oh, it looks like two, and it was a matter. They just lowered all of their yeah. quantities, right? It's, it's because they're trying. People are trying to keep their overhead down, right? Because they're not wanting money to go out the door, at right? The first of the month, and and so. But, but as a supply house, your job is to have that shit. Right, is to supply me with what I need when I need it, right? Yeah. And if I have to wait for it to come in, well, I might as well just order it off the internet for cheaper. Or you know what? Go to Home Depot. Yeah, yeah. I I try to despise that though. Cause I try to too, but you know what? A lot of times they have the shit that yeah. I need and it may cost me another eight bucks, but if I'm on a job and I have to have it, what am I going to do? Right. I'm going to pay for it and I'm going to move on. I've had too many conversations with some insiders to talk about the in- incredibly lower quality of product that comes out of the box stores than that comes out of professional plumbing supply stores. Yeah. It's like so when you like buy we a, avoid it all at all costs. So like when you buy a... This is a general deal. If I buy a Moen valve from Ferguson, the the body is the same. Everything's the same. But when I get that tailpiece and everything, this is just so that other people can see it. Mm-hmm. When I get it from Ferguson, it's all metal. 
It's all badass. It's super reliable. When I get it from Home Depot, that tailpiece and all those parts all are plastic. all plastic. Yeah. yeah. Now, I'm not telling you that you can't go down the aisle there and buy an all-metal assembly and it still be cheaper than going to Ferguson, but I'm not going to say that. Even then, it's cheaper <laughs> metal, right? So Yeah. Um, but identify the true issue, right? So when I was having that tough conversation Sorry. with my vendor. Side, side tangent. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> when, I, when I was having that tough conversation with my vendor... I had to identify the true issue, okay? I had to remove my emotions from it. My emotions were saying, I'm pissed that you don't have this because now I have to schedule this job off because I, I don't, I can't, I expected to be able to come in and get the parts and you don't have them, right? Yeah. So I had to remove all that and I had to talk about the true issue. The true issue was this is a pattern that's developed, it's gotten worse, and we need to talk about like how do we fix it and where do we go from here? And, and I had to be very, very clear with them. So same thing, state your intention. Right. My intention in this particular scenario was you guys aren't known for being the cheapest in town. You know that. I know that. However, the reason I shop with you is because you always have it in stock. So I, I'm okay spending a few points more, a few percentage points more for the items to guarantee that once I come here, when I will I never have here, to drive anywhere yeah, else. They're here. Time is money. Right. Yeah. And, and I hate the I hate the well, we have it at the Kansas City store. Yeah. Well, that's an hour and a half away. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. So <laughs> thanks for nothing. The you know stating my intentions. My intentions were like here's why I use you as a vendor, and and here's where you're dropping the ball, and so here's what I need. Right. Be open to learning a new perspective. In this particular case, there wasn't a new perspective to learn. Um, they tried using the excuse of COVID, and I said, don't tell me that because other vendors in town have plenty of these in stock, and it used to be that you would have 10 or 12 in stock, and now you're only ordering four to replace those 12. So it's a it's a stocking level issue. Yeah. We need to adjust it, right? Um, however, I, I would be open to learning a new perspective. Um, never sacrifice your values. I, you know... I was very respectful. I was very integrous through that whole conversation. They were very respectful. Integrous. They were very integrous. Uh, and, and so the conversation was very productive. We discussed a plan on where do we go from here. We talked about what are we going to do. They're going to increase their stocking levels a little bit. We put a plan in place for follow-ups. They even offered to come shopping with me, like walking around through the store with me. You know, next time you're coming to the store, call me. I'll meet you there. I want to see what you're seeing. I want to see the low stocking levels that you're seeing. Um, and and we ended up not having to do that. We were able to just kind of plan yeah. everything else. And then literally, this was two months ago that I had this conversation with them. I met with my rep last week, and she literally followed up with me again and said, hey, just wanting to make sure everything is good, the stocking levels are still good, you guys aren't you know, running short on stuff. And I mentioned a couple of items. I said, yeah, for the most part, it's good. However, these, these, and these, you're still always out of. She says, great, thanks. I'll, I'll you know, I don't, yeah. I, I can't promise anything, but I'll figure it out, right? So that flow works really, really well in business. It also works really, really well with customers, right? Customers are going to come in and gripe, 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 and complain and complain, and I want a refund. I want to, I want my money back. I want, you know, I want you to fix this thing you broke or, you know, whatever. Same process. Remove your emotions. Identify the true issue. Is the customer griping about price because they think it's too expensive? Or are they griping about price because they don't have money? You know, that 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 stance right there, if, if a customer has money and they think it's too expensive, that's just subjective. If a customer doesn't have money 
and they think it's too expensive, that's like a defense mech- like that's a that's a survival instinct, right? Yeah. They're they're literally protecting the few dollars they have. So you have to approach that <clears throat> a little bit different. Um but you know, identify the true issue. State your intentions. What you what are you going to do to fix their problem? What are you going to do to take care of everything? Be open to learning a new perspective. Maybe your guy did screw up. Maybe your guy did break something. Maybe you you did your guy did a crappy repair. You know, whatever the case may be. Never sacrifice your values. Again, your values should hold through to all of that. Discuss a plan. So you're going to tell your customer, here's where we go from here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to send so-and-so back out. I'm going to come out. We're going to, we're going to fix this or whatever. And then you follow up with them. You know, let's say we flooded a house because plumbers flood houses. Sometimes we hate it, but it happens. <laughs> Call them back up a couple weeks later. Hey, did the drying company get out there and get you all taken care of? Okay. Like, like, Again, when's the sheet rocker supposed to be there? We did this. Uh, it's about a month and a half ago, two months ago. Um, one of my guys made a mistake. We actually flooded the same house twice. It's kind of embarrassing. I'm gonna throw myself under the bus here. First off, it's not embarrassing. That's uh, horrifying. It sucks, right? <laughs> so one of my guys made a mistake and um, he uh, turned off a customer's water, rebuilt their kitchen valve their kitchen faucet, and then he installed a water softener for the customer. And um, he turned everything back on at once and was going through, like when you install a water softener, one of the first things you have to do is go to the bathtubs and run all the bathtubs um, because the water softener can have some loose debris in it that you need to kick out. Yeah. Well, he didn't realize. He's going. He's too focused on running all these bathtubs. He didn't realize that his kitchen repair, he didn't do properly, and the kitchen valve was leaking. And it ran over their kitchen cabinets and all over their granite countertops and ran all over their hardwood floor in the kitchen. And then he didn't realize it until he was down in the basement and saw water coming through a can light. And then panicked. And then panicked, right? <laughs> and so... Blind, fear rush, panic. Yeah. And, and I've had that. It's you know, scary. Fir- first thing he does <laughs> is call sweat. me. And he, and he knows, like, we have, I mean, mistakes can happen, right? So he, he calls me to let me know what's going on. Um he's very well spoken with the customers. So I didn't really have to do a lot with the customer at that point, but you know, he gets the drying company out there to get them to start drying everything. I call a restoration company that's going to come out and like fix the sheetrock and fix the wood and like do all of the Refinish things. Refinish them hardwood floors. Yeah. And, and so then About $8 a square foot. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we're doing everything correctly, right? We're owning up to our mistake, apologizing to the customer, everything. Um, then, five days later, a member, uh, an employee of the, the restoration company that's out there fixing stuff calls up and says, hey, this carpet's all wet again in the basement. Oh, I don't know why. Let's, let's get our guy back out there. So I send my guy back out there. And the water softener that we in, had installed had a piece broken on, in the control head. And a water softener regenerates every four or five days. Yeah. And when it went through its regeneration cycle, it kicked a bunch of water out of this broken piece and reflooded their basement. Oh shit! And and that's one that like that's something that, that just nobody could for foresee that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was a manufacturing thing. Like, I've never inspected every piece of a control head before I put it in. Now I do have a pro- like my process to install a water softener is we cycle it through a regen to make sure everything's good. 
Well, now um, we've... And, and so now that's part of his process. We've done step six right? now, right? right? We, Evaluate uh, performance, make adjustments and yep. improve. Now when we, we have a meeting and we talk about water softeners, we're all doing a regen yeah. at least one time. Yeah. And, and so, you know, now I'm very heavily involved with a customer and very apologetic and, and everything. And we get the drying company back out there. And then, you know, and, and the restoration company never left. Like, we weren't even done fixing it, right? And, and so... <clears throat> Um, I tell him, obviously when all that went down, his bill was like, I, I can't remember how much it was, but I told him he's not paying it yet. Like, I'm not going to collect a dime from him until we get him. Yeah. You know, we're not going to come in and wreck his house and then try to collect for the softener that we installed no. and all that stuff. No. So, so I told him we're tabling everything until we get your house back in order. And so got him all rebuilt. I picked up the tab for all of it, obviously. And, and then... I even called him up and I said, okay, we, we got it all dried out. I paid the restoration company. They, the communication I'm getting from them says you're pretty happy with them. You know, it sounds like, is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Is that true? It sounds like you are. He says, oh yeah, they did great work. Cool. I said, now, did you have any personal items? Like I'm, I'm even being proactive. Like, did you have any personal items that got wet, that got ruined? Any boxes, any things like that, that got ruined. And cause I owe you for that. And, and before we even talk about settling up on the softener install and everything else, like I need to make sure we're squared up with everything we screwed you out of first, you know, or yeah. not screwed you, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, he talked about, you know, his couple of ancillary things is, you know, maybe a hundred bucks here or there. And I said, okay. And then my resolution to him was, I, I basically cut his bill in half for the softener was like, I, you know, I can't do it for free, but we didn't want to come in and like wreck your house. And so as a consolation for you having to put up you with all these extra it, people, you did do it for free. Well, at the, but at the yeah. moment you're cutting it in half. Yeah. You're but, still, yeah. But, um, but let's talk about that just for, for two seconds. Yeah. The, so when we talk about, um, having different accounts at your bank for, um, for savings, for checking at two separate banks, this is one of those situations that it's all separate. Mm-hmm. You're not taking you're taking your money paying for all of this stuff and you are separating say it was a huge giant job like a giant commercial job you're not trying to just swallow that stuff up you're separating that I paid for x over here when all of that is done I will treat this bill as if it's something completely different yeah that's what you were doing in that situation at this house it's not a big deal you know you're talking you know, a few thousand dollars. But if it was at a commercial job where you flooded it and you had to spend $20,000 or whatever, yeah, the bill to, to complete the job is still 65 or whatever it is. You complete, you, um, you view those as separate things. Yeah. And that's what you were doing. Yep. It's the same thing with your personal finances versus your business finances. You have to be able to compartmentalize those things yep. so that you don't get them confused. Why? That could come back in taxes. So that if Mitch was to spend that money out of his personal budget or personal checking account instead, I mean business checking account, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. instead of making a claim, that's now a tax write-off. Right. But the part that he, the bill that he got from that guy is not a tax write-off. That is just part of the business moving forward. It's Bill I got from what guy? For the work that you did at his house. For the softener. So the bill for the softener is part of your income. 
Right, right, but, right, right. But right. the damage that you did that you had to pay for is a tax write-off. Right. That's why those things need to be separate. You yeah. don't just come to the guy and say, okay, hey, buddy, I'm just I'm not billing you at all. Right. No, you don't. You bill, you keep all that stuff in order, you yeah. keep your house in order on that, you write all the checks to those companies to make this guy happy, yeah. but th- there are tax write-offs for that if you did not use insurance. Yeah. It, was I clear on that? Yeah, Am yeah. I a little jacked it up took, on It that? took me a minute to get up there, but yeah. To get basi- where I was going? Yeah, basically what you're saying is you don't want to trade your goods and services for other goods and services associated to the restoration. Yes. You, you want to you wanna keep things separate. Yes. And, and that, yeah, you're right, you're right, and that's what we did. Um, and when things get really expensive, that's what your insurance is for. Yes. Um, insurance for plumbing companies is insanely expensive anyway, because when plumbers make mistakes, they're typically incredibly expensive. Yeah. And so the and last... you don't want stuff to be going against you, especially you're only two years in business. Right. So if you can eat it and you can come up with the money, you just, you need to do it. Yeah. And, and my, my thought on it is, um, you use insurance when you can't afford to pay for it. Right. So... Um, yeah, if you're having to not give your guys paychecks because you had to pay for it, right. it's time for insurance to right. come in there and pay for it. Right. I mean, you know, th- this one, it wasn't cheap, but it was still better than... Didn't break you. Yeah. <clears throat> it was still better than running it through insurance. You know, if let's say you got insurance and it's a $5,000 deductible. And let's say that's $8,000 in damage. I would never re- recommend running that through insurance yeah. because, yeah, you're going to pay your five. Your insurance is going to pick up the 3000 and now they're going to jack your rates by five or 6000 over the next year. Yeah. Now, if you were in a situation where you had only been in business for two months. Might be a little different. It's going to be different. Right. I mean, you need to pay for it. You just got to be on your game early. You just, yeah, man, it's a tough spot. Hopefully yeah. that doesn't happen to any of our guys listening. Yep. But So, again, tough conversation, but you can have that conversation with the customer too. And Yeah. You know. That's a so. tough conversation with your insurance agent. Yeah. That's a tough conversation with. The bank if with you a bunch had, of people. Yeah, right? if you had to borrow money to pay for part of someone's house, I mean, right. they're just you know a lot of bad situations. Yeah. Hey guys, uh, as as you can tell, this show is is running a little long, and so what we decided to do after the fact is we're gonna actually going to split this into two shows for you. So the very next show that we release will be part two of how to have tough conversations.